Spags, we are live for another Best Ball Mania 4 doubleheader today on my channel and the Splash Play channel. Drafts number 49 in a monumental 50th draft today for me, Spags. I am very excited to be a part of draft number 50 for Pete. I am, in fact, multi-tabling drafts right now because we tried to get in right before the show started. But, Pete, 50 drafts is a pretty big milestone for you. You have kept your sanity. I would say, surprisingly, I'm proud of you how well you've been able to do that. But um, how are you feeling, I guess, with almost a third of your drafts done? I'm feeling good. Um, I last week I had a moment. It was when I did the um the cardio club draft on the swole cast, and I was literally just exhausted uh that day. Uh, I had done a couple of I had done a walk earlier that day. I did a workout and then that cardio club one, and I was like, I need the summer to be over now. But you know what? I got some sleep, some rest over the weekend, and now I'm feeling energized here. One third of the way done. Uh it's gonna feel good. Uh I feel like I'm at a good pace. I feel like I haven't fully burned out yet. Are there any player takey things, any you know dearth of guys that you're trying to clean up down the home stretch? Because I'm at the same rate as you, roughly. I think this is going to be my 53rd or 54th, something like that today. Um, so I've started to think a little bit like, okay, obviously we know the AR thing. I've dug my heels in there. That's probably not going to change. But still, like, are there any players that you haven't gotten any of that you're like, I need to start to prioritize them now that we are, you know, again, only two thirds left? Yeah, I am. Someone had asked me in the comments, am I now starting to think about my exposures? And I think I am um, starting to think about it a little bit more. You know, one I mentioned was I want some more Darren Waller. You know, I, I realized the other day I actually need to refresh my exposures on him. I got my first share the other day, but that was a blind spot in my portfolio. I was looking at some stuff um, with how I was attacking the Bears. Um running back room and was realizing I had a little more Khalil Herbert than I wanted relative to how much Roshan Johnson. So I am starting to look at some of these, you know, inadvertent stands I've made and figuring out how can I kind of correct in like a, a subtle way, right? Like, not like I'm just going to start going at drafts and smashing a guy, but just kind of putting that in the back of my head of like, Hey, I want to make sure I'm breaking ties in favor of this guy going forward. Yeah, I think the Bears one is definitely a noteworthy one to think about, but there is a lot of those kind of choose-your-own-adventure backfields that we're going to find out about, and I would say uh, definitely being mindful of that stuff. I, I would think, Pete, the one thing that I've always kind of held near and dear is you probably don't have to worry about it until like August, but I think being mindful of it throughout the summer is probably an important part because we all kind of get uh, kind of take locked in some of the clicks that we make. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I just like having my exposure up. I like reviewing it just as a little bit of a, of a sanity check. And there are going to be some guys that I'll continue to click. You know, I clicked Mike Evans again, uh, yesterday. There's some guys that I'm perfectly fine, you know, being in that 15 to 20% range on Tyler Lockett, 21% Evans 15. So there are guys that I don't mind being overweight on, but just the way I draft, I'm probably not going to end up much higher than like 25% on anyone by the time the season's over. Yeah, that makes sense. We are also picking at the back half of the round here. Um, I know you've, you've had a, a good amount of the streams that I've been on with you. You're picking towards back half of drafts, but this kind of strategy, is there anything coming in for you at the 11 hole and, and, and that I could steal for myself in the 12 and 13 hole? Well, yesterday in my, I don't know if it was my first or second best ball breakfast draft, but I was picking from the turn, you know, and did kind of one of my classic wide receiver starts avoiding, you know, the avalanche grab CD lamb and Devonte Adams. And then it was such a wide receiver heavy room that I was able to get Josh Jacobs and Brees Hall at the three, four turn. So um, I basically am not taking running backs um, in these piss boy rooms from this spot, just knowing I might get one of these guys really sliding down far. So that's just kind of something I've realized for this specific draft slot in these specific rooms. So even though I like Eckler, um, I'm probably just not going to mess around with that and grab a, a Garrett Wilson share here. 
Okay, good. So I still have two receivers left for me to take here then and would have loved if I could have gotten Garrett Wilson there. I've been trying to get my exposure up to him a little bit, but I am going to take Amon Ra and Jalen Waddle, who I've seen Pete recently jumping those guys in some drafts, which is kind of, I, I think is right, but I think it's interesting that Waddle's going that highly. Yeah, um, I think I do really like Waddle. Um, you know, I, I do think he's kind of a cut below. I think you could make the argument that this tier right here, the four wide receivers we just all took in a row that are all kind of in the same tier, you know, and then I put Lamb and Devontae Adams just in a slight tier above their own and then probably Brown and Diggs in their own tier and then these other guys. So I do find that there's some mini tiers here with these, these wide receivers, but really what we're doing here is just making decisions specific to this room and knowing how the, how this is going to play out. Does it just kind of conceptually seem insane to you that Waddle, who I, you know, could make a leap this year and be more of a one B to Tyree kills one a, but like he's fundamentally a number two receiver. I feel the same way about Devonta Smith, that he could be kind of a one B to AJ Brown's one a and T Higgins, I think was better in a lot of metrics than, uh, than Jamar chase was last year. I've talked about the DVOA numbers, EPA numbers, all of that. And obviously, you know, when you have a great receiver, that's going to inflate it, but those guys all kind of should be viewed similarly. So why is Waddle the one that's jumping up? Is it just the dolphins pass rate stuff? I'm not sure. And I guess I, what is his actual ADP at right now? Because 16, I don't even, I don't know if he's actually in normal drafts really jumping up. I think it's in these streamer wide receiver avalanche rooms where he naturally gets pushed up because people look around and they, you know, someone's going to grab T Higgins here in a second. And then there's a pretty big drop off, but to your, to your larger point, I do. And someone who's really good at this is Sean Siegel, who I draft with on Wednesdays. He really likes playing these offenses through the cheaper option. And he's had a lot of success doing it over the years. The year everyone was in on Brandon Ayuk a couple of years ago, and he was going in the fourth, he was hammering Debo Samuel. Last year when everyone loved A.J. Brown, had he go over to the Eagles, he was hammering Devonta Smith and basically saying, hey, the talent gap between these guys often isn't as big as we maybe think. And then you see a season play out like last year where Devonta Smith is like a co-1A essentially with A.J. Brown down the stretch. And I do think there are some spots this year where that plays out. And it's one of the reasons Sean is super low on DK Metcalf relative to JSN, why he's super low on Mike Williams relative to Quentin Johnston of like, hey, we like these offenses. And, oh, we like these profiles late too. Let's just play it through the cheaper option, knowing the room for error there is greater. You have more of a safety net when you're taking that stab in the fifth, sixth, seventh round than when you're spending a late second round pick on DK Metcalf. I think that makes sense. And I think too, even for the week 17 of it all, like you would sort of expect the higher receiver to be higher draft receiver to be better represented in those finals pools. Obviously that wouldn't be the case if like Waddle went off and Tyree kill got hurt or something, but for the leverage, you know, you're, you have then a first round pick that could theoretically beat Tyreek. And if Waddle can also beat Tyreek, then you're kind of getting it on two ways. So I think there's some game theory logic to it too, but I just think it's interesting that Waddle gets treated a little bit differently because I actually have seen him go 11, 12 in some drafts, not streamed. And I've been surprised, but like, I like him a lot. I just know that guys like Hayden Winks out there, of course, of underdog, have kind of knocked down his expected touchdown rate and that being so much higher last year than it probably would be in a normal year. Right. Um, we're about to pick here. Um, no insane sliding values um, in this room like we got in the other. I'm going to let Alex pick and do a little coffee pour here for the people why I decide what I want to do. Uh, soak that in. Soak it in. Um, so we do, you know, one thing I might, uh, let's see. So I kind of have two options here. 
that I'm thinking through. Sometimes I do like to take, I thought if I had Waddle, I might take Lamar, set up a little week 17 there, but I'm going to keep hammering a guy I like a lot here in Keenan Allen in instead. So I do have two picks here. Oh, I am on the, of course, going in both drafts, the multi table that I got into from entering right before the draft. I'm going to take Lamar in this room. I'm going to go back here, take Christian Watson in my other draft. For my second pick, though, so Lamar, of course, taken for a little bit of that correlation with Jalen Waddle. Uh, would have been nice if Mark Andrews had fallen, but that's not going to happen. Um, and I'm going to take a guy that I take a lot of, and I will continue to do so, Christian Watson, who Pete, I, so his ADP is up. I've seen him fall to the mid-40s now, and I'm a little worried that the casuals don't like Christian Watson as much as I do. Um, Yeah, he's an interesting one. He's... I think Christian Watson is one of those quintessential, like sexy players. Like he's fun to click, you know, he was so good last year. And I think maybe casuals are worried about the Packers offense without Rogers. I think that would be the casual take of, Hey, you know, Christian Watson was good with Rogers hall of fame quarterback. How's he going to be with Jordan love where I think a lot of the sharps are pretty in on green Bay as being kind of a sneaky, good offense this year. And that's why his, ADP is just kind of stuck there. And he also, I would put him at the top of this really flat wide receiver tier here, right? Like starting with Amari Cooper, like all of these guys, I think you could reshuffle around. If someone made a really good case for any of these guys, I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. He should be the first one off the board. And I would say that Watson is just probably the funnest of those clicks. And, and that's why he's just kind of a fixture now of the, you know, early fourth round. Yeah, I mean, I've been a little, I wouldn't say alarmed, but not great camp reports so far from Jordan Love. Apparently has a lot of issues throwing on the run, which is part of what you would hope would be an improvement for him is being a little more mobile and being able to do those kind of plays. But Watson was just so good last year and like that, you know, good with a, a slow ramp up, like he was hurt to start the year, uh, missed some of camp, missed some of the games. And then he was so electric that, you know, with him being just this kind of default wide receiver one target in an offense that I think, you know, is going to be in a division that's not that great. I think Watson's worth it. And I see guys like Starkindler in the chat here saying a near full fade for Watson. Uh, that surprises me just because I think he is both kind of young and a sexy click, but also just like who else are they going to throw to there? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Watson is the exact kind of profile I want to continue to to bet on. And, you know, I, I get the sticker shock thing. You know, in previous years, Christian Watson would probably be a sixth, seventh round pick in the same way in previous years, JSN would be a ninth round pick. And so it does stink that you're having to pay these prices. But this is the thought exercise I always do. And this kind of goes back to how we were talking about playing some of the other offenses through the cheaper piece. Would it shock you if Christian Watson is a second round pick next year? wouldn't no. shock me whatsoever. In fact, that's where I most likely think he ends up. And so those are the kind of movements I'm trying to get on. Uh, who are these guys where I think they could be more expensive next year? And that's why you run into problems with DK Metcalf. Like it's kind of hard for me to imagine DK Metcalf being much more expensive than he is this year, next year, where I could see JSN being a second round pick, like no, no doubt. And how does he end up a second round pick? Well, he's scorching the earth down the stretch. How does Christian Watson end up there? He has another massive, you know, 12 plus TD, you know, season campaign here with Jordan Love. And so I, I love making a bet on those profiles of the guys who can really outperform their draft costs. And Pete, of course, you're leaving out the Ewing theory of Aaron Rodgers leaving, which we all can hold dear as people that read Bill Simmons columns back in the early 2000s. And I, I have to tell you, Pete, I, I know we made fun of Bill Simmons at one point in our splash play run just because, you know, when you grow up listening to a guy and then they kind of fall a bit out of touch, you know, whatever. It's fun to tease him a little bit. I'm not even listening anymore, which I think worries me a little bit about um, I don't know, just Bill Simmons. Like, I wonder how he's doing. Is it, Are his takes still good? Are you listening to his show at all anymore? Or you've been out for like years, right? 
Yeah, I've been out for years. I mean, like so many people, I, you know, uh, came up just consuming all of his stuff, reading his columns. I was super, the Grant Grantland launch hit me at like the perfect time. And all of those writers over there, Jay Caspian King, Bill Barnwell, obviously, I just thought that was such an incredible assembly of talent. And I loved their kind of approach to long form and even their podcast network too. I thought they just did a really nice job with. And then, I don't know, there was something about the transition from Grantland to the ringer. And I still like there, you have so many talented people over there, but they kind of went almost like the blitzkrieg of content. You know, that mm -hmm. old blog style of like, we're just going to throw so much at you. And the Grantland pieces always felt so special. Like when they came out, I wanted to devote my time to it. And yeah, so now the, the ringer fire hose, I have a hard time keeping up with it these days. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and definitely a different site, but a good, a lot of money for Bill Simmons. So kudos to him. All right. Uh, I'm on the clock in my, my other room. So I gotta get this pick out of the way fast. It is stressful, Pete, the multi-tabling of BBMs. Like I multi-table puppies all the time, but BBMs at the same time are just a different level. Yeah. Um, man, I have two really interesting picks that I'm excited to make here. Um, it feels weird to pass on TJ Hawkinson, but God, I love Kenneth Walker as an anchor RB here in the late fifth. So I will let you have TJ. All right. Um, man, TJ. Yeah. You know what? It makes sense with the green Bay correlation. So I will take him with one of these picks and I will also go with a little bit of QB running back correlation should point out JK Dobbins, not getting the reporting that uh, Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs are, but JK Dobbins also not in camp so far and kind of mini holdout. He's on the franchise tag thing, but does want money. So um, I don't know if this is making him fall a little bit in ADP, but him at 61 feels pretty good. Yeah. Uh, I thought that made sense for you with that pick. I'm trying to see, do I want to kind of build out a Seattle thing with Lockett or do I want to grab Aaron Jones in this range? You know what? I'm going to do Aaron Jones. Um, I've been trying to experiment a little bit with um, these different kind of textures and one of them being like, all right, a double anchor RB room, but from a range where I'm almost never taking um, two running backs and just kind of, again, letting that structure that I feel works, uh, play into my favor while also getting it paired with, with running backs. Like I, maybe sometimes I'll take just Kenneth Walker. Maybe sometimes I'll take just Aaron Jones, but I'm never selecting both of them together. So both of them, uh, after ADP here, um, I would have loved to have gotten Hawkinson and, uh, Kenneth Walker, but, uh, too much value for you to, uh, let that one slip back through. And I would say too, for Aaron Jones, like I just find it so much more comfortable to take AJ Dillon, you know, coming 50 picks later or so. Um, it was something I did. I drafted a Packer stack on my spag stacks on Fridays where I spin the wheel uh, that I came up with, of course, that didn't see it on the randomizer and go, that's a great looking wheel. Let me get that on a stream. Uh, but I spin a wheel basically with every team on it, landed on the Packers and I took Aaron Jones. And if I didn't take Aaron Jones, I felt like I would have liked the team a lot more, but I do think there's probably a good amount of people then that are stacking Packers and feel the same way. So um, just any taste of Aaron Jones that are inherently putting you on a little bit of a different track just because Dylan is so much cheaper. Yeah. And the way I think about it is, you know, AJ Dylan, I feel like is really a bigger macro bet on the Packers being really good this year or taking a leap. And he's going to soak up a lot of those goal line stuff. The thing about Aaron Jones, right, is we know he has the ability still to rip off 50 yard big touchdown plays and have those kind of monster games. So Aaron Jones is kind of a, a spike week chasing kind of play in that range is how I feel about him and just knowing, Hey, if you show up in the fantasy playoffs and the Packers are good, you know, knowing that Aaron Jones has the ability 
to go for a monster game is is pretty exciting. And again, thinking back, both Kenneth Walker and Aaron Jones, you know, um, Kenneth Walker before they drafted Charbonnet, second round pick. Aaron Jones has been a second round pick in previous years. So kind of buying the dip on these talent profiles who you're now getting at a pretty big discount uh, relative to where we've seen them go in previous times. Also, too, while we're kind of hyping up Minnesota Green Bay, does the fact that that's a Week 17 game in a dome with two defenses that we don't expect? I mean, Minnesota should be a little better, but wasn't very good last year, and they're also dealing with uh, some guys, you know, holding out in camp and all that. So that seems not the best for them. Uh, but the issue of Brian Flores, I think, maybe gets them closer to the middle of the pack. But it's in a dome, and it's in a dome, and I think those teams will probably not be world beaters defensively. So that holds a lot of weight too. Even if the Packers were to somehow underperform throughout the year, um, I think they're a team that just for having a Week 17, like to me, they're as live as any. Obviously, they're all live at this point but um particularly uh, one of interest for me yeah and when you look at and i'm going to start i think i'm going to do this a little bit with brian on lulls this week we've been looking at the fantasy playoff schedule specifically looking at weather um dome game strength of schedule stuff and as we've been digging into that um both the packers and vikings uh grayed out uh very well for different reasons obviously minnesota with the dome games green bay because their strength of schedule in the playoffs is actually much easier than their uh schedule in uh the regular season which i think is is kind of notable um i am going to uh grab the very end of my wide receiver tier i'm sorry to snipe you on uh lamar jackson it's nothing personal it is strictly bateman and then a giant tier for me at wide receiver oh dang nabbit okay um i am two picks here no correlations i do need to get some receivers in because now we have kind of gotten hit by the avalanche i'm going to take michael thomas and zay flowers went yeah zay flowers went already crap it doesn't feel like a reach for odell spot i would say um hmm i still think that juju is underrated in these kind of teams and you know until deandre hopkins is there i, I will continue to feel that way so i'll reach for juju but that was a tough pocket i did not enjoy those two picks there yeah, um, that's the, the the wide receiver avalanche room here. I'm going to grab another guy that I don't uh, get a lot of, DeAndre Swift, grabbing him 10 picks past ADP. Some negative chatter on Rashad Penny these days might open the season on IR. There are obviously some other guys going to have uh, early down roll if, if that happens. You'll probably see a lot of Boston Scott. But kind of some of that negativity around um, Penny's giving me a little bit more confidence on DeAndre Swift having a pretty big role there for that team. And the other thing I'm thinking through here is so this is an unusual build for me because I don't have a QB or tight end. Because I have a lot of quarterback options, you know, uh, Russ, um, Olave, Garrett Wilson, even Swift, Gino, and Love. These quarterbacks all go in a range where I'm generally taking zero RB candidates. And so I'm kind of thinking of flipping the build, so to speak, where now I'm taking some running backs in this range to free me up to actually taking quarterbacks in the range I normally grab zero running back targets there. So it's going to end up, you know, I'm sliding up my running back targets more than I normally do. But I think it will work out like value pocket wise to allow me to select quarterbacks in that range. 
Yeah, that was one of the things I was doing in a draft last night where I had um I had Garrett Wilson and some other players. Basically, had what you have, like a bunch of QBs who go later in the draft, and I had some flexibility. And I took Aaron Rodgers a little bit ahead of ADP just because I was like, well, I don't want to let him slip, and I'm kind of making the bet on Garrett Wilson here. But I think that's one of the things where you can kind of hurt yourself by you give giving yourself that flexibility and not taking advantage of it and not waiting for you know Derek Carr or Kenny Pickett or whatever and those kind of builds. Um, so like the flexibility, I think, is a positive because it allows you kind of to work through them a little better than you would have otherwise. Yeah, I'm trying to see what else is, you know, and this goes back to kind of what happens in these rooms, right? So, you know, you and I had to reach, or, you know, I reach a little bit ahead of ADP, right? Garrett Wilson, two picks ahead of ADP, Chris Olave, and, you know, sometimes like, ah, it doesn't feel good. Like, I essentially didn't have a first round pick in this draft, right? Where it's like I took two second round selections, but then I feel like I claw back on the ADP value. And I've been getting a lot of comments too on my my streams of like the wide receiver avalanche. Why do you do this to yourself? I do really think the ADP value is completely offset. You know, I get Walker eight picks past, uh, Aaron Jones eight picks past, DeAndre Swift seven or ten picks past. And so I do think if you're offsetting it there, it really is kind of you know six and a half dozen or the other. Yeah, for me, still the main thing that always rings true is just trying to make sure I get those five receivers before round 10. So as long as I'm, you know, taking some elite deviations here, or I took Lamar, I took Dobbins, uh, took Hawkinson and Dobbins and Hawkinson were both at really big discounts. I feel okay reaching for Thomas and Juju just because I think they're they're the final guys I can have in that five wide receivers before round 10 build that I would feel okay with uh, bottoming out. Um, so I don't know. I, I think that I think we both worked this well, but that room really dried out fast receiver in a way I was perhaps uh, I thought we escaped and then, then we did not. Well, I've been talking about this too, this wide receiver, generally like in a normal room, like the Bateman, Zay Flowers guys can hang around to this turn. Um, and like a Lamar drafter from the 12 hole, this is what happened when I drafted with Herzig on ETR. We had the 12, we got Lamar, and then we were able to double tap Bateman and Flowers at pick 84 and 85. That will happen in normal rooms, but in these rooms, like in my drafts, they can all be gone by pick 70, 75. This one, I, I felt kind of lucky getting uh, Bateman here at 83. Alex, I think, had an interesting choice because I was going to gobble up Waller if he fell to 83. He takes Waller and, and gives me Bateman there, but happy to get that fifth wide receiver. Um, let's see. What do we want to do here? I think what I am going to do um, is grab a tight end uh, selection here. I don't think I want to be on like a three quarterback, three tight end build. Najoku, a couple picks past ADP correlated with my first round pick of Garrett Wilson. Nothing else really screaming out at me here. And then you're going to have an interesting choice if you want to go uh, to a there and play your week 17 game from both sides of the quarterback aisle. Yeah, I don't mind that as much, especially when it's two teams like Baltimore and Miami that I do think are going to be good this year and have the ability to create value. So right away, I'm going to take Tua. And then I'm torn here. I mean, you know, I should just take A-Chain. I'm going to take A-Chain. Was thinking about maybe going with Damian Harris to get a little more Buffalo correlation with Juju. But obviously, if I'm stacking Tua here, it makes more sense to just hit double Miami. So I team works for me. Yeah, I'm debating what I want to do here. I might just... Uh, should I push it at quarterback? I might push it at quarterback a little bit. Let's go ahead. I'm going to keep grabbing some Antonio Gibson in this range. We're going to grab another running back here. Have you gotten any uh, Chris Rodriguez at the end of drafts? <laughs> no, but he's been a hot topic of conversation in the uh, Ship Chasing Discord channel lately. And I actually think it makes a lot of sense. You know, I'm still in that territory right now where I do really uh, want to avoid burning dead roster spots. 
And but this is my thing on it. Like, I think Chris Rodriguez makes a lot of sense as a late round pick. You know, the case for him is the enemy likes him a lot. This new regime, you know, drafted him. Neither um, Antonio Gibson or Brian Robinson have really shown that they're going to be a full-blown bell cow. And the team has traditionally used a pass catching back in JD McKissick. And so Chris Rodriguez having that role is really valuable. Here's where I struggle with him as a selection right now. Even if we get news that he's going to have all the pass catching work, he probably moves up, what, two rounds? He's like a 16th round pick, you know? And so I'm like, what do you win when you're right about Chris Rodriguez having a standalone role on this offense? Only a couple rounds. What do you lose if he's buried um, on this on this depth chart and it's just the Gibson-Brian Robinson show? Well, you burned a pick. And so to me, I'm just going to wait, get more confirmation throughout the preseason um, or, or even training camp. And if we continue to get that steady br- drumbeat on Chris Rodriguez, I'll be happy to start sprinkling him in. But I'm going to try to avoid that kind of unnecessary dead roster spot risk right now. Yeah, I mean, I think there is a little more risk to Brian Robinson and Gibson just because of the fact that they do have this this decently steady drumbeat so far of them liking Rodriguez. But I still think the most likely outcome is that Robinson is better than we saw last year. Like he was actually very good in college. And it was one thing that I kind of, I guess, had a blind spot to where I liked him as a rookie coming in, but didn't really know how good he was in college. Like he did jump out as both a pass catcher and a rusher. And again, getting shot in the butt, not a great way to start your rookie campaign. So I think there's room for him to be improved just by being full health and full you know, sanity and ready to go. Um, but Rodriguez, though, I do feel like if you have a good amount of Robinson, a good amount of Gibson, I don't know. I would probably get 4% Robinson or, or Rodriguez, excuse me, over the course of the summer. Yeah. I And I think, you know, one thing, too, is and this happened last year, the death of the standalone pass catching back. You know, it was a couple years ago where I was always sprinkling in Naheem Hines, J.D. McKissick. Um, you know, these guys who, yeah, you knew they weren't going to get goal line carries. They weren't going to ever get more than 20 touches a game or whatever, but you could count on them to catch a few balls, maybe have a couple of explosive plays and be part of a zero RB room. That's kind of like a dying breed. Now you go through all of these, these players and there aren't a lot of those guys. So a guy like Chris Rodriguez emerging as a high floor pass catching option that also has a little of that you know, mystery box rookie juice to him. That would be a fun selection at the end of drafts as your sixth or seventh running back in a zero RB room. Also, I thought this was an interesting chat. Where did it go? There was somebody asking about unique combos and are they a little bit over? Oh, here we go. Do unique combos actually matter? Or is it just a fun talking point? I could say from, you know, a finals advancing team and having them on DK and on underdog underdog, you could see the advance rates a little more cleanly because they create content around it, give you the charts. But I could tell that I had like some chalky spots and then I was like, oh, I need Cole Komet to go off. I need, um, I need Devin Singletary to go off. Like you're trying to find these very minute own guys that nobody else in the field has. So I would say, Pete, that getting unique matters a lot for week 17, but probably matters less so throughout the course of the regular season. Yeah, my I talked I actually on the I, w- I hopped on the badge bros on Friday and we actually talked about this in depth. I highly recommend checking that out. But my quick um take on it is I don't worry about it this early in the offseason because 80 t- ADPs are gonna shift enough that what you think is a chalk combo now might not be a chalk combo at the end. And the other thing here. Um, let me make my selection here and then I'll, I'll talk through this a little bit more. Um, but the other thing too, is when you scoop up ADP values, you are also getting the unique combo element as well. Actually, I'm sorry, Spags. I don't think you're going to take Rogers so I can let that one go. Um, what I do think I'm going to do is just go ahead and build out. I have kind of a new Orleans bet going with Olave, So I'm going to grab my guy, Kendra Miller here. Oh, Kendra, always looking good. 
Um, I would have liked him to, to increase my New Orleans bet, but that's okay. Um, I will take Jalen Warren here, a regular pick for me. Oh boy, I'm on the clock on everything. Um, and then I will also go, I'm thin enough at running back now that I do think I'm just going to, yeah, I'm going to continue to take a running back. I guess I'll take Jamal Williams, actually. I don't take him very much. This is a good time to do it because he took Kendra. So I have the bet on a little bit of Michael Thomas. So I'll try to maybe get Carr later on. And I like I like Jamal Williams. I, I think I'm going to make a best ball tip video about this. Um, and I do want to circle back to the unique combos thing. But so like on your room, like Devin A-Chain, he could be buried to start the season. Jalen Warren could be buried behind Najee to start the season. A guy like Jamal Williams makes sense in a room like this where – if Kamara suspended to start the season and maybe Kendra Miller is in the doghouse, he makes a mistake. Like Jamal Williams will be getting touches right out of the gate. And so I think about those guys in the video I was making is the running backs. who I call the fast start running backs, like the guys I was going to name AJ Dillon, Samaj P Ryan, Brian Robinson, Damian Harris, and Jamal Williams. Like those are all guys going in that one Oh five to one 130 range who I think you can bank on early season production. But going back to the combo thing. So the one point I just wanted to make is I think a lot of times the conversation about the unique combos leads to people reaching massively to be like, oh, I'll take you know Lamar and um, say Andrews at the 2-3 turn to pair with Jefferson because a lot of people won't have that there. Well, the issue you run into is one, then I see Pat post a team over the weekend where he got Lamar and Andrews at the three, four turn. And so now you have a team that also has an additional second round pick snuck in there. And then the other thing is, is you can get the uniqueness element by scooping ADP followers. Then you get the double whammy of an ADP value and a unique combo. So when in my draft yesterday, Josh Jacobs falls all the way to the three, four turn, not only am I getting say an early third round pick at the late third, I'm also getting him paired with CeeDee Lamb and Devontae Adams. And he's very, very rarely going to be paired with those guys based on his ADP stuff. So if I'm hunting unique combos, I want to do it more through ADP value now. As the season progresses, I'm more open to it. Like an example last year was A.J. Brown was a fixture of the 2-3 turn. He was just locked there. Him, T. Higgins, Tyreek were all going in that range, which meant he was very rarely being paired with a wide receiver at the 1-2 turn. I started to take A.J. Brown at the 1-2 turn a little bit once that ADP was so solidified. But we're still, what, at least two and a half months from this contest filling. I think we're going to see a lot of movement. And I think you're playing a bit of a dangerous game just assuming ADP is solidified right now. Yeah, I think I felt that with the Christian Watson thing where I've talked about, again, talked about on the Friday stream I did. Um, I sometimes will take Justin Jefferson and knowing that uh, Christian Watson almost never falls to 47 or 48. I'm sure he does in some drafts I'm not in. I'll take Christian Watson in the 20 spot or the 20, you know, 24, 25, wherever that is after the first pick. I'll take him there because I know that he's not likely to come back to me. That said, if he does start to fall in ADP because casual players like him less, that could be a common combo come August. And that's something that I am willing to do here and there. Um, cause I think there's still a good chance that it'll be unique, but I do think I could be wrong. And Christian Watson can fall to 50 again. And it'll be like, Oh shit. Everybody's got Jefferson and Christian Watson everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's where it can uh, backfire a little bit. Let's recap our teams here through uh, 13 rounds or 12 rounds for us. So my team, I have a one, five, five, one build. I got Aaron Rodgers at quarterback, five running backs. I might be done at running back. We'll see Kenneth Walker, Aaron Jones, Deandre Swift, Antonio Gibson, and Kendra Miller. My wide receivers, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Keenan Allen, Jerry Judy, and Rashad Bateman, tight end, David Njoku. What are you working with Spags? 
I have Lamar and Tua both playing, of course, in week 17 at QB. Running back J.K. Dobbins, Devin A. Chain, Jalen Warren, and Jamal Williams. A little mix of youth and veterans there. Receiver, Amon Rod, Jalen Waddle, Christian Watson, Michael Thomas, and Juju got hit by the avalanche. Then a value, T.J. Hawkinson at tight end. So I feel like my team's okay, though. Maybe could have gone a little bit uh, heavier at receiver earlier, but I don't know. I feel like there's still enough out there maybe to make it work. Yeah. Um... Let's see here. What am I going to do? Mm. All right. I think I know what I'm going to do. Well, something fun, I hope. Well, I know you're not taking a quarterback. I, I'm going to debate. Well, you could potentially do three quarterbacks. The thing I was I was like, would you take Derek Carr as a three quarterback field? I don't really think you would. I'm going to take Jaden Reed and giving myself an out to either Derek Carr, or Jordan Love as a quarterback selection here. So I was looking at Jaden Reed as being my pick. Um, no, it's okay. Uh, you know what? Let's get a little weird here. I don't normally do, I wouldn't normally do this as a three QB build. Actually, you know what? I still don't think I will. I'll take a New Orleans correlation with Rashid Shahid. And then I will also should probably take another running back here. I will take uh, an old favorite, I guess. Play the hits. Tyler Algier, welcome back. Not a guy I have a lot of this year. Actually gets taken from me a little bit before ADP a lot, but um, I still think he's got a good value and a good role and certainly should have some role, even with Bijan being there. Yeah, I was I was debating honestly, Spags. I was like, I could go Shahid and then for sure take Derek Carr, or I could go Jane Reed and you know go with the Jordan Love. I do want to get some more Jordan Love. You know, I was just mentioning how I was looking more at their schedule, and they're they are a team I want to start betting on a little bit more. And I am a little light on Jordan Love right now. I think I was only at four percent. So this seems like a good op, a uh, good time to boost that a bit. You know, in a perfect world. You'd like to have Jordan Love stacked with uh, Christian Watson, but my bet here with the Aaron Jones and the Jaden Reed selection, don't mind that. Maybe I even tack on one of those rookie tight ends in a three tight end build if I do that. Um, and, uh, you know, a fun little narrative to this team, Spags, the uh, the Packers of, of old and the new look Packers, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers and Jordan Love here. Packers generations will be teams titling <laughs> be titling for his team here. But yeah, I, I think we're building solid teams. I don't mind it here. Um, definitely feel it could have gotten a little better at receiver, but for the most part for these kind of rooms, of course, where we are doing them on stream and we expect there to be a good receiver run at some point early on. Um, I feel like this team works pretty well. And I think we both got decently unique as well, you know, relative to the builds. I, I don't think I have a team that looks like this one. Yeah, we ended up, I mean, this ended up being a draft where we're clashing on a lot of fronts. One, we're picking back to back. So we're having to think through, like, I'm always thinking through, what are you going to do at the turn? Um, can I push a player there? And I even thought like you might take Derek Carr there, that that would have been a consideration. That's why I was debating it. But then also we found ourselves targeting similar games, right? Like we both ended up on new Orleans. We both ended up on like green Bay and some Minnesota stuff. So we've been, we've been tangling here uh, at the same end of the draft board. Yeah, I was, I was bummed because I did really want Jaden Reed there, but I think it worked out well enough where um, Shahid makes sense for me. Like, I think we both got things that make sense there. This is something I've been worrying about or not worrying about, but wondering about because obviously Pete, like two out of 12 are going to advance in this room. Like how many times do you think you and I will both advance in the same draft? Cause we are, I share a lot of your portfolio and vice versa. Now that it was definitely a consideration for me over the weekend. That'll be a fun thing to look at, to, to see our, um, one, yeah, just our overall advance rates. And then I just, just by the pure odds of it, Spags, 
I think it will be unlikely that there's a room where we both advance just based on pure mathematical odds. We have so, so I, many though. Like we're going to have like a, you know, almost a 30 year drafts. We keep at the same pace. We'll be, you know, not maybe not quite, but somewhere in that range. Yeah. Um, yeah. We there's should be at least one or two. I think we'll both advance in. I think we can do the math on it, right? If we just say, if you and I advance at an average rate and we do X amount of drafts, um, what are the odds? So it'd be like my one out of six times your one out of six. And then looking at the amount of drafts we do and seeing what the odds are that we would advance, assuming that we are advancing at a, at an average clip. Someone do the math. I'll tell you how many drafts we're going to end up doing. This is such a GA comment, by the way, 0%. <laughs> there, yeah, I have never seen GA say anything positive about anything yeah. in our chat. <laughs> if if I didn't know, I, I would think he's just a random uh, egg troll, but then he watches literally every stream, <laughs> and I know he loves us more than anything in his life. Uh, just And he's a member, too. So at the end of the day, that's as long as you're lying in Pete's pockets. That's exactly. Your you get yeah. to say whatever you want if you throw money at me. <laughs> Okay. Sub 1% chance and, and 10 minutes, a more positive guy. So I don't know. Uh, I just think we've had also some rooms that have been pretty objectively bad. Like last week, I think we had a really bad drafter in there that gave us some opportunity. Um, so I think it depends. See if we get a few more like those, I think our odds go up a little bit more. Hmm. All right. This is an interesting spot here. I do want to check. Okay. Wow. This is so this was interesting. I was like, oh, I can sit on wide receiver here. I knew I was going to select Miko Hardman. This has been such an avalanche draft that Miko Hardman is at the top of the queue right now. So I'm not going to mess with that. I'm going to get my double stack here with Aaron Rodgers. And then uh, I'll see what you let come back to me. Yeah, boy. I mean, I, I could use one more running back here, but I, Jesus, this is pretty gross. Um, I will take Chuba here. Again, another nice, you know, Players should get some opportunity from the jump, hopefully. And then at receiver, I think I got to do something here. Um, I'm going to reach for guys that I like um, because at this point, everything's depleted. Robert Woods at the top of the queue for receiver. So I'm just going to go up and get Darius Slayton, who I think has more of a role than people realize. And I'm always a guy I use as my 18th round bailout. And today I'm using him in the 16th. Yeah, you and I both forced to take uh, wide receivers way ahead of ADP, but at this point in the draft, I don't think it's bad. Um, I am going to select Gerald Everett here. Uh, the bye week bros are going to come after me. Uh, two tight ends with week five buys, but Gerald Everett, a huge slider here, 20 picks past ADP. I do have a bit of a Denver bet here with Jerry Judy. I like that cheap correlation there for week 16 or week 17. So I'll, I'll uh, and I might still entertain a three tight end build with this one, just with how many good available tight ends there are late. So I don't mind how that shook out. Also, are you seeing the debate in the chat about the math here? <laughs> I'm very much enjoying everybody going back and forth. Can I, can I make a confession? Yeah. So I normally like on my best ball breakfast streams, and I would say 90, 95% of my streams, I have the chat up and I read every comment. Uh, today, the way I just like set up the draft board, I haven't seen a single chat. I don't have the chat open. So the only ones I've seen are the ones you've pulled up. Uh, for whatever reason, I just decided I wanted to take a break from the chat today. But do uh, do tell me uh, what they're discussing. So they're saying, okay, so I'm going to see who seems the most right. Chris seems the most adamant here. Two out of 12 times one out of 11 for combined odds of one out of 66. So we would need to have 66 teams theoretically between us with us drafting together to uh, to have one advance. But that assumes that we're advancing at the exact same flat rate. And I, I right. tend to think we have a little bit of a, a VIG for us here because we, we're good drafters, hopefully. Yeah, let's uh, yeah let's boost those numbers up here a little bit and say uh, Spags <laughs> and I are advancing at, uh, I don't know, a 25% clip. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or I would say even one out of 33. One out of 33 <laughs> would mean that we would have one where we both advance. But then we go into separate pods after that. So it'd be like, all right, Pete, good luck. See you later. And then we'll both yeah. get fucked in the semis. It is going to be very fun uh, to do some... Well, it won't be fun if I have an awful advance rate. But assuming I have uh, an average or above average advance rate, it'll be very fun to look at various stream correlations. You know, do I have a better advance rate on best ball breakfast? How about my random streams? What about the ones I do guest streams that tend not to be wide receiver avalanche rooms? Like when we did the four for four show together or mm. when I did the ETR, those were like relatively normal rooms. So it will be fun to slice and dice kind of my advance rates across the different stream types. Yeah, I actually that it will be funny because so if you guys are really enjoying these drafts, you really better hope Pete has some good advance rates for the splash play drafts. Otherwise, it'll be like, yeah, I got to do all the four for four drafts next year. That's the only thing I'll be doing. Um, no, it'll be there. There's no there's no hiding this year. You know, like if uh, I mean, I'm going to have to air it out for good, for better or for worse. Good advance rates, bad advance rates it will all be here. Um, but if you want to chase the glory of a three million dollar team that was drafted on stream. You got to hang yourself out to dry. I agree. And I would say too, you know, that uh, sometimes the advance rates aren't great because that was something where I felt like there was a little bit of social media advance rate shaming going on last season where like I had a lower advance rate than I think, uh, you know, definitely some of the people I saw tweeting things out there because I was building so many zero RB teams. Like I kind of expected that going in and I ended up getting to the DK finals once the, uh, the underdog finals. I'm like, I think it's still one of those things, Pete, where uh, even if you looked like an asshole initially, because you're like, oh, you only got a 15% advance rate, you can end up the winner. And that could be hopefully a splash plate team. Fingers crossed. Well, one thing about that, too, and I was talking about this with Neil Farley uh, on Best Ball Breakfast. He came on in between drafts. He's been doing a lot of good data research and saying that if you just not just auto drafted, in which case you'd be taking the guy at the top of the queue. But if you essentially auto drafted with structural concerns in mind, you know, making the best selection by position in the top value like you would probably have a very high advance rate because of just necessarily how powerful adp value is um but a lot of people who have done that like herzig did that with 150 auto drafted puppy teams he had an insane um advance rate even our guy eagles i think has traditionally had really good advance rates there but then when you get to the playoffs, if you don't have that correlation, your teams fall flat on their face. And that's this whole push-pull. You can boost your advance rate just by selecting the values. But if you aren't getting that correlation in, you're not going to finish first out of 16 in your pod. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, my team was very correlated last year. Unfortunately, you know, my BBM team was a little too correlated with Cincinnati and Buffalo. But I think that was still the right play and still a play that, um, you know, I think that was the main thing that I observed was really teams that I would have felt maybe were too matchy-matchy were better than realized. On the clock here for me, um, there's really not a lot to love. Uh, so I am going to reach for Terrace Marshall here and get him and get one more receiver in to give me a 2681 build. And then let's see, is Likely still around? Yeah, I'll take Isaiah Likely here to cap it off because. I, I just got one more Lamar correlation in and really do not have a lot of receiver for Lamar, but I, I don't believe in that quite as much, Pete, but I got sniped and everything Baltimore related. That was good. Um, Man, I am struggling finding something I like here. I kind of want to take another flyer wide receiver. Um, should I just get psyops into all this Justin Ross hype because the athletic just has too much control over us? Um, <laughs> well, maybe not after the layoffs yesterday. <laughs> 
Uh, I really don't. I didn't like this click at all. Um, normally, uh, I felt good at my positions. I was I was not doing four tight ends. I, I had three tight ends. I was good with my two quarterbacks. I guess I could have taken like Sam Howell there a little bit. Um, I didn't have any slam dunk running backs I wanted to take. And I felt like with this build, uh, an eighth wide receiver made sense. But I, you know, I would have liked to have gotten a Minnesota piece as kind of a bring back with my big Green Bay thing. There were no Minnesota pieces that I liked there. Um, I believe both McBride and Ty Chandler were gone. So I made the rare uh, non-correlated week 18 pick or uh, last round pick, uh, which didn't feel good, Spags. I just I didn't have any options I liked. You could have taken, no, you already had three tight ends. I was going to say maybe you could have taken Josh Oliver. I think that's my fun 18th round Minnesota guy to go to. They paid a lot of money to, and he should catch like a couple touchdowns. Um, I get, I guess I could have, this could have been a case for a four tight end build where I tack on the green Bay rookie tight end. Um, I know, I know it. I couldn't do it. I just, I refuse to let big tight end win the Leones and the Dan Zacks of the world. I just, Najoku Everett and Conklin is just enough. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't. No, I, I think that, especially with Njoku, I think that felt like three was definitely more than enough there, but Hey, you know, if there were a time, this was the time. Um, so, of course, guys, if you're not subscribed to Pete's channel, do that right now. Pete's, of course, on the march to 15,000 subs. Leave a comment on the video if you want to get an entry to win a share. Three people getting a share of $1,500 uh, because of their comment entries. So do that. And, of course, Pete, we will be doing a, a drunken show if Pete gets to 15,000 subs and Splash Play gets to 3,000 subs, guys. So a simple ask, Pete, for us to mildly embarrass ourselves on stream. What is a, what is a Splash Play at right now? Almost 2,200. So, we're, okay. Yeah. So, if you hit yeah. like roughly the same range, yeah. So, here, here's the deal. You guys know how this works on Tuesday. Spags and I are going to do a final uh, recap of our teams here. And then, immediately following this, we are going to head over to the Splash Play channel for my 50th draft. I hope Spags got me a cake, maybe some streamers, um, anything to, you know, celebrate this momentous occasion. But as Spags mentioned, the usual rules apply for both this draft and the draft on Splash Play. Leave a comment after. People, you know, talk about getting commenting fatigue. I just want you guys to all shut up because not only am I streaming all of these, I am replying to all of your comments on my channel. So you want to talk about commenting fatigue. I'm out here just engaging with all of you, just completely um, out of the goodness of my heart, not to juice the algorithm at all. Uh, so yes, leave a comment. That'll get you an entry. Then head over to Splash Play. Leave a comment on that stream after. That'll get you another entry. And uh, we're getting close, Spags. We are less than 1,200 subs away on my channel of hitting that 15K goal. And then we will do those drawings. And who knows? We'll even, uh, we'll even throw in a stretch goal once we hit that. So continue to subscribe. Continue to comment. And uh, we will march along toward our goals here. Yeah, if you actually remember to plug during the Siegel and uh, and Karain stream, you'd probably be doing even better. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I'm I'm awful at plugging spags. It's it's a gift that you know God gave you, um, and it, it eludes me for the most part. Chill, 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 boys. That's what we say. Do you want to give the team a reading here? Yeah, uh, you do yours first. I'm typing mine into my uh, okay. my thing here. So my team, again, at QB, Lamar and Tua, running back, J.K. Dobbins, Devin A. Chain, Jalen Warren, Jamal Williams, Tyler Algier and Chuba Hubbard, a receiver, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jalen Waddle, Christian Watson, Michael Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster, Rashid Shahid, Darius Slayton, and Terrace Marshall. Two guys I love late, by the way, if you ever are uh, blown out of a room. And a tight end, T.J. Hawkinson, Isaiah Likely. So I got my correlations for Week 17. I got, some, got ahead of the avalanche a little bit, then fought it off. So I feel good about where I landed. Uh, are you going to address the bye week bros for this week 13 disaster here at tight end? 
I mean, honestly, I was thinking about rolling one tight end with Hawkinson, so that would be <laughs> how I would push against it. But yeah, lucky week 13, I'll have zero tight end points. No, I I think grabbing, I don't, obviously Lamar is a guy that you don't have to have stacked up and you do have him with Dobbins, but I, I do think I really like, like likely becomes a priority target on Lamar teams where you don't have any of the wide receivers. I mean, I think yeah. you really do want that, that out there. So um, I like how this team shaped up for you. I think you devoted the right amount of capital to running backs. Um, you know, you did find yourself in a wide receiver avalanche spot. Like this is the spot where, I've been more stubborn to capitulate here to the Michael Thomas and Juju. Then the draft came back around. You got Shahid at a nice price. This might've been a spot where I would have maybe have tried to go to the running back um, mm. spot and see if I could flip some two V twos, but it gets, it gets tough there. You know, when you only have three picks and then you're staring here. Um, I guess the Michael Thomas one is, is fine. It's the Juju pick. I think that gets really tough in a wide receiver avalanche room. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> um, I did. I haven't done mine here. So I ended up with the two five eight three build. We have the Jets of new and of yesteryear build. Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love at quarterback. Our running backs kind of living in the dead zone in the tip of the zero RB room here. Kenneth Walker, Aaron Jones, DeAndre Swift, Antonio Gibson, and Kendra Miller. Like that room there. Uh, wide receivers: Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Keenan Allen, Jerry Judy, Rashad Bateman, Jaden Reed, Michael Hardman, Justin Ross. I like everything about this room, uh, the correlation, the firepower, except the the one-off Justin Ross pick, which just sticks out like a sore thumb. No correlation, no method to the madness, just a fucking rogue pick um, influenced by the athletic. I hate myself for it already. My tight ends are fine here. Najoku has the bring back with the, uh, the, the Jet stuff. Gerald Everett way past ADP correlated with Judy and Tyler Conklin getting that triple stack with Rodgers. I like everything about this team except this goddamn Justin Ross pick. But what if Justin Ross, Pete, is the player you need in week 17? What if? Uh, I mean, if you read The Athletic, apparently he is the second coming of Tyree Kill on the Chiefs. So, And also um, Patrick Mahomes' actual firstborn son, it sounds like. They are really <laughs> best buddies striving through life. And speaking of, we are going to go head over to the Splash Play channel. We have to put up the big celebration banner for Pete's number 50 here, of course. So uh, I'm excited here. Pete, are you excited? And give whatever plugs you got to hit here because I know you're doing a club draft, right? A cardio club with the club. Yes, uh, exactly. Yeah. So today, my usual Tuesday schedule, head over to Splash Play for my 50th draft. Then at um, 3.30, I'll be doing uh, my office hours in the Fantasy Life Discord if you guys want to come and hang out and talk best ball and fantasy in there. And then, yeah, we're going to do a cardio club draft. Uh, I didn't want to host while doing cardio. Uh, I think that would just be too much. So I am bringing my buddy Mike Zakarian from Team Hold to guest host that show while Andy Clay and I draft a BBM 14 while doing cardio. So got to get all my equipment set up. I'm going to build up a splash zone this time because I just sweated all over my desk and keyboard. So if you want to watch me uh, heavily pant while making selections, uh, the club this afternoon is, is the place to be. Normally that'd be an OnlyFans deal. You know, you could just like do a light jog. You don't have to sprint. You know what? I just—it's hard for me to half-ass anything in my life, Spags. You know, if I'm going to do cardio, I might as well get a good workout in. Fair enough. So Pete won't half-ass it later on today. We'll see you guys in one minute on the Splash Play channel. Go over there or be automatically redirected. See you there, Spags. We are back for the Splash Play doubleheader, and this is a monumental draft here on my quest to stream all 150 of my Best Ball Mania four drafts. Yeah, here I put on my party hat. I've got some blowers here to celebrate. <laughs> 
Number 50, Pete. How better to celebrate than annoying now noises to start things off? Let's hop into the draft room. We are waiting. Basketball Mania 4, $3 million to first place. What better way, Pete? Number 50. Boy, what a milestone here. You have committed to something and you're seeing it through. You know what, how this feels, you know, how, like when you ask like a four-year-old, how old they are. And they always say like four and a half and you're like, <laughs> all right, the four-year-old wants to celebrate his half birthday. That's how it feels celebrating my 50th stream draft, but I'm just going to make a meal of everything. We're going to celebrate 50. We're going to celebrate 75, the halfway mark. Of course, we're going to celebrate a hundred. Um, probably going to skip 125. We'll just be in a dead sprint to the finish then. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for all these draft birthday parties that I've clearly earned. I think people are confused. Yippee, Pete is 50. Pete is not 50. Though if you were 50, boy, you'd, you'd look great for 50. My birthday is in two days, um, but I am not quite 50 yet. Uh, do you, you want to share your age with the people, Pete? I will be 36 years old on wow. Thursday. Um, I remember also, that uh, back in the back two years ago for me, it was a whole different world. That was when really, I think it was peak pandemic time. If I'm right. like, so <laughs> my 38? 38, yeah, 38. Okay. Yeah. Um, definitely feel old and goddamn specs. Can I ever get a non late spot one ten again? This is just getting real old. I know you said you get them sometimes and we went through your exposures that it does seem like Pete gets early spots, but every time I draft with you, you are 10 through 12 without a lot of deviation. Yeah, you know what? I used up all of my influencer 101s last summer. Um, and this year I'm just stuck at the back of the draft. Pete's on 50th draft, and 50 is Devin's goal by the end of the summer. So different priorities, but if you're making your bankroll work, it's all that matters. And you can never forget the person who finished second last year only had one entry in BBM. So you're as live as anybody, but if you can max it out, obviously you're just gonna be in a better position. We are you are gonna be in a better position, but there's there's all kinds of the fun contests um this year mm -hmm. too like i do think if you were just strictly you know hunting ev i would i would max the chow you know well before i fired all those bullets at at bbm um structures like that i think will give you a really nice chance so we are in an avalanche here but i am gonna be an idiot and take travis kelsey and see how this works out for me all right Oh, Travis Kelsey. CD Lamb at eight wasn't happening for me, I have to say. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I'm about to take Devontae Adams here. Wow. At, his, at where he should go, but now he's safely a second round receiver on underdog. Yeah. Which I don't agree with anyway, but okay. So me and FF Links are going to be on an island here with him, Evan McCaffrey, and Travis Kelsey. And oh boy. Oh boy. Sky Moore is going to go any minute now. Yeah, roll the avalanche clip. <laughs> I, I've been forgetting to roll. I, I've seen, I have that clips bags in all of my drafts are avalanche rooms, so it feels unnecessary to even play the clip. The clip implies that it's an aberration or an unusual thing, and now it's just the norm, so the clip just doesn't get played. Yeah, I mean, it definitely, this is the peak example of it, so we'll see how Pete navigates it. I, I know what you should do, and I didn't do it here, so I'm going to get Christian Watson at 17. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to play with fire a little bit here. I'm going to grab, I'm going to grab Bijan at, at 15. Um, and yeah, I just, I couldn't stomach. I was going to maybe take Waddle there at 15, uh, if Casey took Bijan, but, uh, we'll live a little and, uh, play around with this, this room. And I'm going to reach for a very common correlation here with T Higgins, but I need to get a receiver in and. Look, Cincinnati KC, guys, I don't know if you know, probably a high total game in week 17. <laughs> I have heard that. 
Yeah, this, I have indeed. The rumors and innuendos say might be over 50 points even. Pretty crazy. All right. Um, this this truly is a friends and family draft too. I think I recognize mm -hmm. almost every single name. Raise it. Uh, I know Alex, FF Link, Starkindler, Patrick Barnes, I believe is the guy who does all the like thumbnails and YouTube stuff for ETR. I remember that from last year. Uh, of course, Alex Berg, uh, Rooney, Casey, and Sam. Um, I'm pretty sure I know everyone except uh, Tinks. Tinks, if you're in the chat, introduce yourself. The Tink does apparently take receivers, so we know he's not going to throw some unexpected curveballs here of uh, elite QBs and spades and running backs and spades. I know the the one non badge you you hope is gonna you know be our running back piggy, but even our non badge here is taking Cup and Devonta Smith. So you know we're all we're all stuck with each other. Yeah, it's gonna be an interesting room to see how it develops, but uh, I I feel okay about the start despite all that. Shouts Tyler as well, two dollars super chat, smash the like you sickos. Yes, please hit the like button here helps us grow this channel. Smash yeah, Pete obliterates it with a sledgehammer here, but we appreciate the support. We're trying to grow these channels, and of course, if you're not subscribed to Peach Channel, but you are subscribed to Splash Play. Uh, go join Pete over there because every sub matters at this point, Pete. Every sub matters. Um, I feel like that would be a slogan for a dominatrix uh, <laughs> site as well. A real, like a really Mom. community connected dominator. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, normally Spags and I don't uh, get our bonks going on Tuesday mornings, but you know, I had to for all. We did get some talk about some bonks going. You and I on four for four with Daigle. We had a lot of kink talk going on there in the afternoon. I stayed above the fray in that one because I get a you weird did. thing where it's somebody else's channel. I don't want to do something untoward, but you guys were going in. You were oddly like quiet during that whole exchange because <laughs> if that was on our channel, you would have been diving in there. You would have been talking about whips and chains and all this stuff. And you just kind of, you know, zipped your lips. Yeah, well, it was honestly, if you check that uh, that stream out, if you guys haven't, the 4 for 4 draft you did with John Daigle last week on, on their channel, uh, Best Ball Happy Hours. I think the titling has AJ Brown on the thumbnail, so check that out. But it was definitely a different draft than we had, Pete. Like, that's probably one of my favorite stream teams we built where I had a, the Jalen Hurts premium double yeah. and actually ended up getting also Goddard and everybody. Like, love that team. Yeah, you got one of the uh, the very rare uh, tough-to-build starts uh, there with all – what you so, yeah, you got all four top Eagles, right, in that draft? Yeah. I got yeah. Swift too at a discount, so I got I think I think it was a five man. Ooh, five, yeah, the full the full blown onslaught here. We have some crazy uh, fallers in this draft. Josh Allen available, of course. The guys I got at the turn on my best ball breakfast draft yesterday: Jacobs, Brees, Hall. Uh, Allen does go here. Curious to see what you do, Spags. You gonna become a piggy with this value? <sighs> he did. I was really hoping Mahomes would fall, but Tink, of course, this wild card uh, takes him from me. Um. There's really nothing that makes a ton of sense for me here, but this could turn back into a receiver room any moment now. So no, I will not take Josh Jacobs. He's holding out, Pete. He might never play again. Well, I'm going to select a running back with this selection. Okay. As, as you should. Um, yesterday I got the Josh Jacobs, Brees Hall pairing. And today I will get the, what I assume is a pretty rare, uh, combinatorial triumvirate, uh, Bijan, Josh Jacobs and Devonte Adams. Was there any thought about taking Jonathan Taylor over Bijan just for a little bit of week 17? Because you would be looking pretty, you'd be looking pretty for an Indianapolis week 17 correlation. You know, I it didn't even cross my mind. I really don't think about correlations um, much at all in the early rounds. And I also, uh, I feel like when I catch sentiment, all right, okay, we're just ripping it. We're, we're going hyper fragile. Um, let's do it. Brees Hall, come on down. Um, we're going to, we're going to play with fire in this, uh, wide receiver avalanche room. Uh, what was I going to say? 
Oh, one thing, tell me if you felt this as well. Um, I think sentiment is way down on Jonathan Taylor. The more I hear people talk about him, people are worried he's not going to catch passes. You know, with Anthony Richardson, they're worried Anthony Richardson is going to steal a lot of goal line carries, all of that stuff. I'm starting to get the vibe that Jonathan Taylor is going to continue to slip a couple of spots. And so I'm not going to reach to correlate him with Adams there, just knowing I think you're going to start to get some good discounts on him. Um, mm. Do you get that vibe of, of sentiment on Jonathan Taylor right now? I mean, I was going through some old drafts and I was taking him at some point, like, and I never take running backs early, but I felt like him at the eighth spot was pretty good earlier in BBM. Now he's you know going 18 here. Um, so I think he's already headed that direction. How much can he fall? I guess you could make the case like people love Saquon. Saquon's fallen a little bit. Maybe he should be in that Saquon range. Um, I think people are overrating though, like how much Anthony Richardson is going to hurt him. Like, you know, if the offense runs a fractionally as good amount as Philly's offense run last year, like Miles Sanders had a lot of work yeah. there, even though, you know, Jalen Hurts obviously crushed. So I think it's a mistake, but I agree. Like I could see him going, you know, maybe honestly behind Pollard if it really got bad. Yeah, I agree with that take to me. You want you want Anthony Richardson to be incredible for Jonathan Taylor because if that offense is rolling, I mean, it is going to be so hard for defenses. Think about some of that like RPO stuff when a defense is having to account for is Anthony Richardson going to keep this and try to get to the edge or is he going to hand it off to Jonathan Taylor down the middle? Like both of those guys are incredible athletes that I think are going to give defensive fits. So the risk for Jonathan Taylor is if Anthony Richardson is really bad and the offense is not sustaining drives. That's where I think you worry. Um, I think Jonathan Taylor is actually pretty, you could say he's negatively correlated in a single game ceiling scenario. And this situation is actually pretty similar to what happened with the Giants, right? Where Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley are kind of negative correlated in any individual game, but they're positively correlated throughout the entire season. And in the same way, Pat kind of advanced last year to week 17, where you get the good Barkley game and then you get the big Daniel Jones game. I could see that happening with Richardson and Taylor, where you get the massive Taylor game one week, the massive Richardson game the other. And having those guys together, I think, makes a ton of sense. Yeah, and I think, too, uh, Alex saying, again, yeah, a thing that's been reported in the athletics, I can get an RPO and run JT like crazy. That was uh, the one thing. I've apparently not been doing it as much with Minshew, but have been doing it already with uh, Richardson. So even if AR didn't start initially, he could theoretically run some packages out there. But that's been a core focus of what they've been doing already with him. So I agree, and I think that – you know, trusting good coaching is a thing that I will say fantasy wise kind of goes undervalued and Steichen putting guys in position to succeed. Like he sustained what five fantasy valuable guys last year, you know, with Goddard, with AJ Brown, with Devonta, with Sanders and with Hertz. Like that's pretty noteworthy and I think should pour it over pretty well. Yeah. All right. On the clock here. Um, now that we're talking about it, it just feels like it's, it's a Michael Pittman share, but I will take Joe Mixon here. Still hanging on to the team. Still feels a little risky to take him, but I'm building out Cincinnati KC. I got a little San Francisco, Washington. So this is what we're doing. Yeah, I, I like the Mixon value there. Him and him and Wal I'm, I'm trying to get him and Walker in that range a little bit. Mixon's been a little trendier, right? Like he's kind of starting to inch up to that four or five turn. Um, I will grab, um, Michael Pittman here correlated with my my Vegas bet week 16 correlated with Atlanta and I can't afford any more non wide receiver detours after my three running back testosterone heavy start. Yeah, I've actually got to uh, I've got to stop taking Pittman with AR and every single time I do think Pittman's a good player, but he is still my highest exposed guy in BBM right now because of me setting up AR stacks. So um, I'm willing to let you get Pittman here, Pete, but I got to tell you, I'm not necessarily out of the AR business yet. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm glad you're warning me ahead of time. Now I just got to decide which wide receiver I want to take. Um, a bunch of these guys who I like will obviously not be making it back to me. Um, I have a ton of locket. I do think I'll just take Deontay Johnson to trigger you, though. I got to get my uh, uh, exposure up on uh, Deontay Johnson. So you uh, continue can you can continue to fight the uh, the picket, uh, the wide receiver wars in the streets. Yeah, Pickens is now at seventy three point five. Deontay at sixty eight. So that that flipping has happened fully at this point. Um, hmm. We do have some val well, moderate value at running back. Seems like the value has gotten steamed out of the room. Um, I am going to increase the bet here and reach a little for Kadarius Tony because I don't really love Tyler Lockett. I know everybody else does, but he is old and JSN's looking great. So um, Pete Lockett is a blind spot to me. If I had if I had the brick caddy going this year, um, I would you probably see under five percent Lockett, if not under three. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I I love both Lockett and JSN, and I, my big fade is on Metcalf, and I just want to play Seattle um, through those cheaper wide receivers and Noah Fant uh, to a lesser extent. But I'm very excited about that offense this year, and I want pieces um, of about all of it. I I feel like one thing that got missed a little bit last year is how bad Gino was down the stretch, and I know this is people are gonna be like, oh, you still love Drew Lock. It's not necessarily that, but Gino ran so hot to start the year and was hitting throws that, like, honestly, he probably shouldn't have been making. And then as the year went on, he kind of stopped making as many of those throws because you have to run bad sometimes to run good. Um, so I think that's one thing with Seattle where I just don't, I just don't think they're going to be world beaters on offense this year. So to me, that means that a Lockett's a little bit less interesting, but I still think they'll find ways to get the ball to Metcalf and, and JSN. Uh, but like Lockett's old. Like, I don't know why people are willing to turn a blind eye to him being old when he's small and old. Um, yeah, I don't, I, I I'm trying. That's why I have so much Mike Evans and Tyler Lockett, because I do think there's that age bias that creeps in. And, um, I still want to make bets on guys who have been consistently good in the NFL that have earned targets and had great fantasy seasons under a lot of different circumstances around different players. And, you know, you can make this systemic risk argument for Mike Evans about, Hey, I don't like this bucks offense, but you can't make that argument for Lockett and the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks are going to be very good. They're going to be able to do whatever they want, basically with the run game or the pass game. And I think Lockett's profile is still very fantasy friendly. I think he's going to get loose for a lot of big games. And um, yeah, I, I have, I have no problem with Lockett. Yeah, I would say if, if you guys are in the fade spags business, and I know people love Lockett, but I will say whenever I see universal praise for guys and I have a little bit of like, a, uh, I don't know if I'm as confident in that being the case again. And I will point out Lockett too was good in the metrics I look at, you know, 0.25 EPA per target, uh, 16% passing DVOA. So like he was good. I'm not going to say that, but I do think that he and Deontay Johnson to stand out as like everybody's on them. That always feels like when the chalk fails to me. Um, but that might be the DFS brain, Pete, that always has me panic somewhere in my brain. I just think that's a bit of a straw man relative to, because like we're talking about, it's a very flat tier. I think from like pick 35 at wide receiver all the way to where Rashad Bateman just went off the board here. And Lockett is on the back end of that super flat, wide receiver tier. So I actually don't think that enthusiasm is like really reflected um, necessarily in his ADP because his ADP remains in check. Like people aren't chasing Tyler Lockett up boards. He's just often the best pick in the range where he's going. And that's frustrating that uh, Miles Sanders goes as a nice discount and then the value kind of got bled out through uh, Sanders and Pierce going. So I take DeAndre Swift at a, a modest discount, but probably not enough to deviate from receiver. 
I'm going to take a wide receiver that I said I on best ball breakfast was a blind spot for me, a guy I'm going to try to start targeting a little bit more. Uh, I'm going to take a, an Elijah Moore share here. Okay. I think that's, uh, he's been another guy that uh, the athletic really steaming up so far uh, with how great he's looked and all that, but um, still no Amari Cooper out there in practice. So that's something that certainly will deviate a little bit. And um, I don't think they're going to get DeAndre Hopkins. I think that would be a little bit too much, but that would also probably hurt Elijah Moore quite a bit. Yeah. Um, what am I going to do in this range? Man, this is a gross range. Um, none of the tight ends I like, uh, none of the quarterbacks I like. Um, do we have any correlation stuff here? Going to take either Michael Thomas or Cortland Sutton. The age-old decision. I love how much this fucking comes up all the time, and I'm just a, I'm a Sutton over Thomas guy. Um, but ugh, I hate that that purgatory. I was really hoping Zay Flowers was going to fall. Um, Rooney took him one pick ahead of me. Um, but the truth was, between like Zay, Elijah Moore, and Brandon Cooks, I was only ever getting one of those guys. Like Sam had the Deshaun Watson, Amari Cooper, so he was going to double tap Elijah Moore there. Um, there was just no way that was coming back. And I have no issue not taking, I have no issue taking Michael Thomas at any point. I still think he's a little bit undervalued. I think too, he's one of those guys come July when there's camp reports about him actually being healthy and out there and looking like his old self. I think that's when people will really start to smash him. Um, so I'm willing to keep taking him in the eighties and nineties because I think he's going to get to the, I feel like Pete, if he had a really good July um, and we account for the casual drafters, he's going ahead of like Dotson range. Wouldn't you think Who, Michael Thomas? Who's this? Uh, Michael um, Thomas. I do agree. He is a guy that I think is going to be very susceptible to news impacting his ADP. Yeah. Because you think of, I think there's like a lag on all of these star players, ADP, right? When they hold this name value recognition, that's what's keeping them up. Even in the face of bad news, um, where if you start to get Michael Thomas, best shape of his life. The athletic starts writing their articles. You know, uh, Derek Carr is treating Michael Thomas like his new Devonte Adams. Like if you get that, I agree completely. He'll, he'll move up uh, a couple of rounds because once you have the name brand, people are willing to buy in very quickly on any positive news. Right. Which, yeah, I think which ties to our previous conversation as well. But I just think Michael Thomas to me, I mean, again, he was good last year. I've pointed out some of the metrics before again, positive EVOA player, positive EPA per target player. So if he's good and this offense is going to be even better with Derek Carr and they are clearly are very invested in the concept of Derek Carr uh, being good this year, they're spending more than enough money. So he has to be, um, I think Michael Thomas is a key part of how they achieve that. But I mean, Pete, he was also, you know, deadlifting 500 pounds. You know, let's not forget that. <laughs> so even if we don't have articles, we do have at least some social media clips. Wow. I, I missed the, uh, the deadlift, uh, stuff there. I didn't know that that was, is that, is the deadlift, uh, baked into his ADP right now? Or is that not baked in? I don't think it's baked in. I think people are still like, oh, this guy can't deadlift 500 pounds. And in reality, he's doing it and making it look easy, making it look sexy. That's basically how I kind of scroll Twitter. I, I just kind of say like, ah, oh, this guy can't bench 350 pounds. And then boom, I see the video. I was like, holy cow, I've been proven wrong. Um, so some chat here. So uh, people still digging in the Lockett thing. Lockett's had four straight 1K yard seasons. I feel like Davis and I are taking crazy pills. And then uh, you could use the same logic to fade Christian Watson. Christian Watson is younger. And also he does not universally loved. I know the ADPs obviously are saying differently, but like people talk shit about Christian Watson all the time. Again, this is just me, you know, having done DFS content daily for a company for years, of course. And like seeing how this goes, whenever anybody's universally confident in something, it just goes astray. And I think that's one thing that stood out with Lockett. But as Pete talked about, it is a straw man argument, but uh, drawn from real life experience is what I'll say. <laughs> there you go. 
I just, um, anytime you don't feel that as a gambler, like every time people are all on something, it's just like, oh, this is probably wrong. Like if you see people pushing back on both sides, it's like, all right, at least there's like the probability feels in line. No, but I think you're getting caught up in like the echo chamber side. There are people pushing back on it and it is drafters. His ADP has not budged. He has not been an ADP riser. You can go look at charts. There is a pushback to it and it's how people are actually drafting. So that's why I just reject it. To me, it's like when a guy screams up draft boards and his ADP keeps rising, that's when everyone's on the same side of it. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. We'll see. Uh, you know, I think the summer is young and uh, based on the people I see talking about Lockett, I think that ADP will continue to come up and uh, I don't want to be holding the bag personally, but if he's at a discount, I'll take anybody. And of course, your player takes in the chat are as right as mine this time of year. So we will see how it goes. It's also, um, I think James is also missing a lot of this core stuff. Like it's still game theory stuff. It's not quite like your season long friends league. Damn it, Rooney. Seriously, Fryermuth? Um, well, I was like, you know what? I'll let Sam get his double stack with Najoku, um, or whatever here. I was going to do Fryermuth build out my, uh, my double stack with Kenny Pickett and Deontay Johnson, but uh, I'll take Najoku again. Uh, Elijah Moore and David Najoku. Sorry, Sam, uh, denying you your, your nice little double stack there, but, um, you got to blame Rooney there for taking Fryermuth. Sam is no stranger to an inconvenient sniping, I would say. I, I love Sam, does good work over at FTN, but I, we've been in the rooms of Sam enough where if Sam's building something, he doesn't let anybody get in the way. That's my observation for Sam's drafting style. All right, then suck it, Sam. No remorse. <laughs> I don't feel bad at all for sniping you, but you guys might feel bad if you don't subscribe to this channel right now. We're on the march to 3K subs here on Splash Play. And of course, when we hit 3K and Peach Channel hits 15K, we'll put together a special Splash Play drunken episode that the people are always clamoring for to see us in our natural state, I guess. <laughs> so we're always drunk when we're not on the air, but to see us get a little wild. And what are you going to get wild with here, Pete? Yeah, I am going to get wild. Um, Sam actually sniped me right back because I was going to grab Daniel Jones and kind of build out some backdoor stacking options there. But I'm just going to take the ADP value. I have zero correlation set up here. We'll figure it out as we go. We're going to take Dak Prescott at pick 111. Okay, Dak. And, yeah, I mean, Dak is a nice value here. I kind of wish I had reached for uh, CD Lamb a little bit just to get that value Dak. But Dak, people have really fallen out of love with over the course of this draft process. Yeah, um, they have. I mean, all the QBs going late here, but he was like firmly in the 80s at one point. Um, all right, on the clock here, nothing that makes sense at QB yet. Um, do you have a Philly running back? So that doesn't make sense for me. God, I hate Alvin Kamara. This feels like a spot to take Alvin Kamara, maybe. Ugh. I took a, I took my first share yesterday. Yeah, this is my first share, I think, of the entire draft process and at 113, I guess you can't really argue it. Yeah, let me... Yeah, yesterday, what did I get into a spot? I took him at pick 119 yesterday, uh, my first share, and I had some Tampa stuff early. I was building out um, a running, an anchor run, running back room, and uh, you know what? I finally got bullied into a, a Camara share. So yeah, if you're going to get him, get him cheap, right? It is... Have, have we gotten a legal update on it i just haven't it's been pretty quiet on the suspension front i haven't seen anything i i just feel like for him it's like i know you're the same boat i have so much kendra miller uh, you know yeah. i took jamal williams in that last draft because i just kind of need to get something that isn't kendra miller from there but i think it's now at that point where i love kendra so much that i have to take alvin kamara just because of how much i love kendra um yeah. 
but I haven't seen anything about Alvin Kamara. I, I don't, I assume he hasn't been practicing because there's nothing on that front either. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, it, I, I, we need to get some more updates on that because he's another guy like Michael Thomas, right? His ADP is going to move based on this news. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we get the suspension confirmed, like I think, I don't think the suspension is fully baked into his ADP. I think he will drop once he gets hit with the six game suspension and Kendra Miller will move up and, and so will Jamal Williams. But if for some reason he weaseled out of a suspension or it just gets punted again down the road, he will move up what probably two, three rounds, like up into that, like James cook range, I would assume in drafts. Yeah. Yeah, at the very least, Dalvin's range, I would think. But yeah, like the the historical love for him, like you were talking about with Michael Thomas, is just so high that any good news would be like probably send him skyrocketing. Yeah. Um, Rays, it got some really nice value on Gino there. I mean, only seven picks past uh, ADP, but to get that stacked up with uh, DK Metcalf there is pretty nice. The QB value is uh, pretty abundant in this room. Tua going at the 101, uh, AR going at 100. So. Uh, people got some nice values here. I, it sucks because I kind of boxed myself into taking late QBs and I couldn't justify taking AR unstacked. But I think that this room is uh, was very nice to have gotten one of the QBs in this range. You're going to have another option to take AR unstacked here. Well, no, because he's already he's going to win at 100. Oh, oh, you sorry, mean, oh the, the real, the real AR. AR. The real AR. <laughs> My apologies. Yes, of course, the real AR. Who, by the way, bell of the ball in New York right now before this all turns to shit. Like, they're loving all his quips about Zach Wilson. Like, he's he's in the, the prime honeymoon stage of his of his time there. I mean, I, I mean, coming in after Zach Wilson is, like, probably the easiest gig of all time. I mean, <laughs> the expectations are just so low. Man, I have nothing I really like here. I'm going to take Jonathan Mingo, not a guy I take often, but I feel pretty okay at running back for now, and I am mostly in the late QB business, I think, here. So, Mingo for me. Hmm. All right, wide receivers just flying. I don't even think I was going to take both of the wide receivers who just went Mingo or Dobbs. I will take Rondell Moore, a huge riser, uh, but want to get my sixth wide receiver here before what I think is another cliff now a little bit. Um, I, I like Alec Pierce in this range too, but other than that, it is, it is dicey. And Nate saying Kamara's trial starts seven thirty one, So doubt we get much news before then. So that's, that's really some optimal timing for a trial to be going on and then the fallout. But I guess in August would be when he would take the big move either direction then. Yeah. Um, wow. Am I going to get stuck with another AR share? Um, I'm going to have to take uh, Rogers here. Um, because I don't think Sam or Casey are taking him as their third QB. I have a big bet on Cleveland. I have Brees Hall. Um, I am going to uh, grab another AR share here. So you have significantly more of that AR than the good AR. Uh, let's see. Also, I now have two quarterbacks with the same bye week, so that'll be fun for, for the chat. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I have 8.7% before this click, and the, um, the bad AR, 2.2%. <laughs> the bad AR. Um, all right. Should I just take Rashad Petty at this point and, and hand I mean, Rashad Petty is a, is a great value at, at 137. Yeah, I got a value on Swift. I'll take a value on Penny and just try to control the Philly run game. The Penny stuff, I guess, that's making him fall is the, that one report from the Athletic that he could start the year on IR just to stash him. I just don't see how that's possible. Yeah, I mean, it it is 
it is possible based on how crowded their running back room is. Um, it does seem wild to me. Um, but th- if you do look at their running back room, like someone has to be the odd man out. Like they're not going to carry Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell, Rashad Penny, uh, DeAndre Swift. Is there, am I forgetting one other guy in that room right now? Um, uh, you said Boston Scott, right? So yeah, yeah. yeah, it's those four. So it, it's, it's tough. And I do feel like, you know, Boston Scott is their kind of Rashad Penny insurance, right? Like he's going to be their early down back if and when Rashad Penny gets hurt. Then Kenneth Gainwell and Swift have a little bit of a redundant skill set, I would say, with how those guys are going to be used. Oh, and then Trey Sermon. That's the guy I'm forgetting. Trey mm-hmm. Sermon is is rumored to be in the mix there. Um, well, he's apparently closer to the cut side, though, from at least that, that same athletic report that said that Penny could start on IR. Yeah. I mean, it would make sense. Like if they, if, if Trey Sermon makes the team and Rashad Penny does it, uh, that would be wild. I mean, honestly, if Rashad Penny doesn't make this team, given how good he was before the injury last year, like he just may not have recovered enough. Um, but it doesn't sound like that'll be the case based on anything he said. So I don't know, but it does feel risky. Like it feels like the rich man's James Robinson situation where there was a contract there, but it was so light that it felt like it could get away from him that I worry about that with Penny. It, and I got so much value, Penny, that I just, if he gets cut, I'll be so sad. Yeah. I, I will I will be sad as well. I really wanted to see him uh, in the Eagles Eagles offense. I hope we get that. I mean, he's even... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say, like, you know, everyone always want to be like, he's made a glass, he's going to get hurt. Like, if you get four to five ceiling games, or even like three to four ceiling games from Penny in that offense, he can pay off a 12th round price tag. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, all right, I'm going to get another Irv Smith share here. Again, I got the Cincinnati KC bet with no QBs, but uh, it's just not a time for me to take a QB yet. So, I mean, I f- fuck. This team feels weird, but I feel like I don't have a lot I'm missing in terms of the draft capital spent. Um, I am just going to dance around and draft a wide receiver that I like here. I'm going to grab Tyquan Thornton went real early in our last draft. He is screaming up boards. Um, but I'm going to grab him as my seventh wide receiver here. Yeah. Tyquan, uh, been sitting out in the mini camp this week, both he and Juju not going. So it's been Devonte Parker and Kendrick Bourne running with guys there. Um, and also Gasicki, apparently a lot of two tight end sets of the Gasicki and Henry. So that's the, the Pats, uh, offensive report so far, but it's weird. You can't really grade that team yet or have any read until like you have Juju and Taekwon out there. Cause those guys I think are clearly important parts of what they're trying to do. Um, I am going to get my fourth and probably final running back. Uh, no shit. No, I'm not going to do Algier handcuck with Bijan. I am not going to do that. The, uh, the people would be after me. Um, <laughs> Let's see here. Do we do Stafford value? I could just grab another wide receiver, but I have some guys late. Yeah, let's just grab the Higby value here. Uh, Tyler Higby, 10 picks past ADP. Um, No correlation with the Giants on this room, but didn't really like what else I was seeing on the board. This is a gross draft bag. I don't know how, if you're feeling better about your draft, uh, I'm not enjoying this one. No, it's definitely not been as clean as I would normally like to see. And honestly, I'm just not getting player pockets that I necessarily in love with. Uh, this is a guy we talked about last stream, though. I'm going to reach for him here. Uh, Curtis Samuel. I do have a little bit of uh, Terry McLaurin earlier, so I am planning on trying to do a Washington stack. But yeah, nothing really aligned in that early wide receiver run. I just feel like threw off the flow of the entire, the feng shui of the entire room. It really did. 
It really did. Um, and now I'm also in this spot where probably going to have to, I think I can probably afford a third QB in this build to avoid the two. I think Dak at 111, Rogers at 135. I think I've recovered at wide receiver okay, you know, getting two of my favorite um, later targets in Rondell Moore and Tyquan Thornton. Um, continuing to push the hyper-fragile build. I, I will get to four running backs, but I think I'll have an option for a guy. I like there, want to keep, I need to find some kind of stacking option. You're probably going to end up with a Dallas tight end with Dak. Um, I still haven't really been messing with the running backs. On my best ball after dark stream on Saturday, Chris G talked me into taking Malik Davis as my fourth running back in a hyper fragile build. I guess it would even make more sense to do that in a build like this, where I do want to build out more of a bet on Dallas. But right now, um, really weak correlation. No Detroit, uh, nothing with Dallas. Um, but I did this to myself, grabbing the ADP value. You could always take Jalen Tolbert late. I can't. <laughs> you, you didn't make you, a, a rule binding yourself from it, but I, you know, people don't yeah. care about stipulations like that. They want oh, to see and, Jalen Tolbert. Do you know, I mean, the, the amount of integrity and trust I would lose, if I ever selected Jalen Tolbert on stream again this year, I would... <laughs> I don't know how I would ever be able to show my face again. No, that that one, he is redacted from my entire player pool. He's had some nice camp reports, running well with the second team. <laughs> so they say. Uh, thoughts on Pierre Strong? I mean, I think he looks better now that Robinson's out. The issue is apparently Ty Montgomery going to take some of that pass game work. Uh, so Pierre Strong, you're likely looking for him to compete with Ramondre for those touches, and I don't know that that's there. I think, though, Ramondre, I, I still think I've thought it all offseason. Like, Ramondre, I think, is getting overdrafted. Um, the Montgomery stuff makes me really worry about that because if he doesn't get the pass game work and he wasn't that great at it last year, but it was volume, um, I think that could really upset what's perceived as Ramondre value. But I would say, Pete, um, Montgomery's a, a wide receiver on underdog, I think, so I would still be willing to take Pierre Strong on, you know, in the 18th round. I'm I'm definitely more interested in Pierre Strong after that James Robinson thing because that was a huge thing of, I do agree, Ty Montgomery's going to be involved. We just need to come to grips with that right away in the same way Brandon Bolden was involved on the offense for years. Like he's going to play some special teams, be in on some third downs, but I'm telling you, Pierre Strong is now one Ramondre Stevenson injury away from getting 15 touches a game on that offense. Like if they went down, you'd probably get a, a pretty split backfield between Pierre Strong and Ty Montgomery, and they'd probably bring up another third back from the practice squad or whatever. But Pierre Strong has some juice. The dude can take advantage of touches. The risk with Pierre Strong was him getting in the doghouse, making mistakes, because we had seen that happen previously as like a young player who wasn't fully dialed in. So I... I'm I'm gonna start mixing it. I think Pierre Strong now falls in that Ty Chandler, Dwayne McBride, where there's still some risk that they might not have a role, but the upside is starting to get very interesting. And if I have backdoor New England stacks, if I have Buffalo stuff, if I have zero RB builds, um, Pierre Strong is firmly on the radar. All right, I am taking my first QB here with Bryce Young. Probably going to be a three QB build for me. Um, do you want to point out? Uh, let me just scroll to the right spot here. Ty Montgomery's done never been a thing. He has like three years with over twenty receptions. It just doesn't matter with Bill Belichick usage, and he was going to be a thing last year before he got hurt. So I wouldn't file that way. Like it's not the same situation. People make this mistake. We're not saying Ty Montgomery is going to be fantasy relevant. We're saying he is going to cap the fantasy relevance of other players by him getting his seven to eight touches. No one's running out to select Ty Montgomery. It's that once you get the three-way split backfield, it can get very gross. Um, I was going to take uh, Jerome Ford building out that big bet. Um, what do I want to do here? 
I did take Kenny Pickett to get my third quarterback stacked with Deontay Johnson. Probably just going to grab one of my, you know, my my typical one Miami back in every draft. Um, we'll grab Raheem Moster and uh, enjoy that Week 16 Miami Dallas correlation. <laughs> How close do you actually think you are to taking one of the Miami backs in every single draft? I'm pretty close. I'm at over 20% Raheem Mostert. I'm at 15% Jeff Wilson, and I'm at um, 12% A-Chain. Um, I will say it's probably more true. I am probably uh, upwards 80% one bear, one dolphin, one saint running back in every draft. Those three ambiguous backfields where they have three backs all going yeah. after pick 110 or whatever. Um I it's really hard for me to leave a draft without one of those nine guys. Yeah, I think I, I'm probably going to feel very similar to you. I think those are, uh, let me check that out because I'm actually curious what my exposures are. But I agree, like those are the three best situations to target. They really line up well with the zero RB pocket. I guess my concern is just now that you're saying that out loud and we are exactly in the same chain of thought, like how many zero RB people are thinking exactly the same as we are in terms of that, you know, that usage rate? Yeah, I mean, they just, they they line up very well right now for 0RB. And I, again, going back to ADPs getting shuffled, that 0RB range of the board is going to get shuffled. For We are going to get reports on a Dolphin running back, on a Chicago running back, on a Saints running back. And one of those guys from those trios is going to shoot up into like the eighth or ninth round. The other guys are going to fall down a little bit there as well. So I do think we're going to get a mix up. And my whole thought is, there's a ton of value here in whoever the lead back is. And I don't even think you have to guess one out of the three correctly. I think two of these guys in all three of those backfields are going to deliver fantasy value at cost. So I almost feel like you have a two and three shot of getting it right with there being an odd man out with the third running back, most likely. Um, but I just have a really hard time making a case against really being overweight those backfields where the reward is just so big. Also, I'm going to pull up the chat here. I refuse to draft Moster, guy never healthy. If I'm remembering correctly, he was one of the guys you might have needed in Week 17 last year. So I, I would uh, not. Yeah, he was. That. He was on the million dollar uh, lineup. I, I, I never. The, the injury stuff is like, it's so short sighted for best ball. You are drafting like you are right. Every single player in the NFL is liable to get hurt. When you select these guys, you are saying, "I live in a world where they don't get hurt." Like full stop. David Njoku's been hurt over his career. You could go down the line. So many of these guys are susceptible to getting injured. When you put them on your team, in that reality, they are no longer injury prone. That is the beauty of drafting in a lottery where you're trying to best 600,000 other entries. Yeah, no, I think that's the correct way to look at it. And uh, we'll point out, I just took out my three QB or took my third QB, a three QB build, Bryce Young, Brock Purdy, Sam Howell. I think that's the, the thin three QB build I want to get to personally. Um, can't blame you on that. Uh, Michael Hardman, not going to come back to me this draft. I will just get my one piece of Dallas correlation and grab Jake Fergie here. And, uh, I will have to figure out what I want, man. Look at this gross build, a three, four, seven, three build. I'm going to have to find one more wide receiver to draft or just one more tight end. <laughs> they want the people want the, the, the last tight end. That honestly, though, that last draft was the time for you to do four. If you're not going to do it there, I don't know what situation you get into where you would want to do four. Yeah. God, the wide receivers are so gross on the board. Yeah. Also, Pete's about to pick here, but good point by Nate. Time on four targets and 21 snaps before going down. Obviously, you don't expect that to hold, but that's pretty noteworthy for, for time on last year. 
man, this is the second draft in a row where my last wide receiver selection is going to have no correlation. And I just feel so gross about it. Um, let's play some hits. Let's play a little Terrace Marshall here. Damn it. <laughs> really? Yeah, Bryce Young. That was going to be my Oh, closing. sorry. I didn't even know. I, I literally would have, I should have had you randomize it for you because I didn't even feel strongly. I was just picking a name out of a hat. No, it's fair. Um, yeah, because I don't think I need a sixth running back with this room, and it's not like there's any that are that great anyway. Um, is there anybody even left to correlate with here? No Jaguars left. You know what? I'm just going to take a third tight end. doesn't make sense with Kelsey, but there's nothing I want left. I was eyeing up Terrace Marshall that whole time. I was like, I'm taking Bryce Young. Nobody ever takes Terrace Marshall. And here you are, Pete, back in the Terrace Marshall biz. Um, I, I'm sorry, Spags. That was completely unintentional. I literally was just okay. picking names. I, I almost went Richie James just being like, I'll take. I took Justin Ross last draft. I'll take Richie James. And then I just clicked on Terrace I think- Marshall. I'll put a, I'll plant a flag for this now. I think Terrace Marshall is the only guy who's going in the 18th round who could, I mean, who could be a top five round pick next year, maybe like if things really work out well. I mean, I, I, I don't want to say that couldn't happen. I mean, to me, that's almost way more about Bryce Young than it is even Terrace Marshall, um, because I think you would need a massive season from Bryce Young for anyone to trust one of his wide receivers um that early in drafts but um yeah i mean when you go through you know adam thielen mingo you know if bryce young rocks one of these wide receivers is going to massively outperform their cost and it does seem like terrace marshall is a good bet to be that um so yeah i i I wanted to say you were crazy for that take um but i don't know if i can it's it's probably him and it's puka those are those are the two (laughs) that can really get there with a good year yeah puka gets drafted again the puka's steadily getting drafted now which is interesting to see i, I like luke i like puka rhymes with luca so i'm okay with that uh raise it timing out okay good we'll do a final team reading here of course if you guys oh. are not subscribed make sure to do that now of course pete and i do the double headers every tuesday on fridays i'm also doing double headers uh spinning the wheel drafting stacks based upon what the wheel tells me to draft so that's how that works out uh, but Pete, I'll, I'll read Pete's team here. We'll do a, a vintage reading here. For I truly, this might be, I bet I could find one or two others that I, this one was probably like, you look at it and it's gross. It felt <laughs> gross the entire time. And it doesn't even have to do with going with the Bijan. It's not even like my wide receivers. Like, I feel like I recovered at wide receiver. I just, nothing came together nicely for this draft. I truly hate it, but please recap it. All right, so Pete's team at QB, a value Dak Prescott, value Aaron Rodgers, semi-value Kenny Pickett, running back. He went a little piggy here. Bijan Robinson, Josh Jacobs, Brees Hall, Raheem Mostert. But again, a lot of values there. A receiver, Devontae Adams, Michael Pittman, great pick. Deontay Johnson, Elijah Moore, Cortland Sutton, Rondale Moore, Tyquan Thornton, and Terrace Marshall. At tight end, David Njoku, Tyler Higby, Jake Ferguson. Pete, I will say that for a 50th draft team, this doesn't look the prettiest. This is exactly the kind of team though, that would advance out of your entire portfolio. 
I was just going to say, this team feels like a fucking lock to advance and get absolutely dusted in the Week 15 <laughs> pod. Like, it just, you're going to be like, this is going to boost my advance rate, and then this team is just going to eat some massive shit in Week 15. But if you get to Week 17, you'll have that Las Vegas-Indianapolis correlation <laughs> that we're all looking for. Uh, my final team here that I will read out loud, QB, a three-late QB build, Bryce Young, Brock Purdy, Sam Howell at running back, uh, Mixon, DeAndre Swift, Brian Robinson, Alvin Kamar, my first share and Rashad Penny and a wide receiver T Higgins, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Kadarius, Tony, Michael Thomas, Mingo and uh, Curtis Samuel. And then a tight end did not need to go three tight ends, but I did Travis Kelsey, Irv Smith. And of course that Carolina correlation with Brenton strange. Um, yeah. Your team's probably better to advance than mine. Mine more live for the championship. I think. Which is, you know, in fact, the goal, you know, getting uh, my money back with this team. Although, like I said, you know, once I have to hang out my dirty laundry, my advance rates on 150 uh, stream drafts, um, I I will appreciate this boost in advance rate. Yeah, did anybody get a good team in this draft? Uh, I didn't see any <laughs> look particularly good, but no. those are the rooms where you probably have a better chance for Pete and, I, Pete and I both to advance, which is really the main hope of this stream. Of course, make sure you are subscribed down below. And if you haven't subscribed to the Peach channel, do that right now. Pete, give them the big sell. 15,000 subs, 1,500 bucks. Yeah, that's right. Uh, three winners uh, will be drawn. And every time you leave a comment on any of my draft streams, regardless of where those streams are, my channel, the Splash Play channel, Ship Chasing, Fantasy Life, wherever I do a Best Ball Mania stream, that stream is eligible for the giveaway. I need to talk to some of my coding bros about how to assemble and compile all of these comments. It is possible, but I'm going to need a data whiz to help me do it in a, a better fashion. But Spags, I think we're on a, like, if I look at my pace, I do really think we could hit there in a month, you know, fantasy enthusiasm, picking up, um, then adding, you know, I don't know, 150 to 200 a week right now. So I do really think we could get there here in a month and, uh, and also to get our drinking stream, which we have promised once splash play as well hits 2k subs, you and I will crack the 3k subs. On otherwise we already committed so 3k oh, 3k subs. oh yeah i'm not committing at 2k sorry <laughs> no 3k subs here on splash play so of course i'll flash neon lights one more time guys subscribe down below for again leave a comment here every comment on this video counts as an entry in pete's 150 uh entries you can have one comment on each video to be the way to do that but support pete of course he is working as hard as anybody out there sacrificing ev as many of us are um any other plugs you want i know you did them on the last stream but who knows we might have not overlapping no i'll be at over at fantasy live today 3 30 in the discord if you want to hop in and chat uh in there during my office hours and then today on the club we are doing a cardio club draft it will be my 51st entry and i will be uh heavily sweating and panting while drafting a team with andy and clay and my friend mike zakarian from team hold has graciously decided to uh to guest host so i don't have to do everything at the same time there you go. So follow me at Chris Spags. Follow Pete at Peter Overzet. Of course, follow the show at Splash Play Pod to know whenever we go live. I'll be back on Friday doing the Spag Stacks, where I'll spin the wheel, draft a team based on ran or at random based on what the wheel gives me. But here's to 50, Pete. <laughs> here's to 100 more. Can't wait to see what you do. Can't wait to see the shitty teams you put out there. <laughs> yes, uh, I can't. The, I mean, it'll get it'll be tough to draft a shittier team than the one I just drafted. Yeah, really both of us here, but that's what it's all about, guys. Again, Best Ball Mania 4, go play for yourself, $3 million, and uh, don't forget to consult the gambling information, of course, if you need to. But if you don't need it, use the promo code SPLASH, double your deposit. We'll be back with you guys again soon. Enjoy your weeks. Good luck. Bye.